God bless you guys. I want to look this morning at God's word as we come in this morning. This morning's message is called Unbreakable Blessings and it's part one of a series of two which I'm doing tonight or today and I'm going to do on Tuesday night. But it follows on from a series of messages that I've been doing over the last five or six weeks which were focused on rest actually. We're focused on rest. I was talking a number of weeks ago about how we can know the rest of our lives and we can know God's rest being part of our everyday. Jesus said, come to me, you are weary, and I will give you rest. And we looked at the subject of rest. You can look at it on YouTube if you want to look back at it. All the videos are there. But one of the punchlines that was in it was that the rest of your life can be a life of rest. A couple of weeks later, I looked and further into the same subject, looking specifically at Hebrews chapter 4. And Hebrews chapter 4, there was this word that kept on coming up, and that was that today, today was the day when you could know and experience the rest of God. Look at the scriptures we pulled up, and it says, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, I've often prayed and said, Lord, let me hear your voice. But God is always speaking. The question is, am I listening to what he would say to me? Here, we're, we're being reminded in Hebrews chapter 3. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And again, it's reiterated at the first. It says, remember what it says today. When you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And the whole point here is that people were listening and hearing God's voice but they weren't really obeying it they weren't trusting in it and that was the bottom line and I want to look this morning at what happens when we do trust God's promises and God's word remember I was referencing this as well from Hebrews chapter 4 Hebrews 4 12 which says this the word of God is alive and powerful the word of God is alive and powerful for you and in your life it is alive for you today Separating, it's sharpening the double-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It says it discerns the intentions and the motivations of the heart. I want to look at what God's word says today about the unbreakable blessings of God poured into our lives. Now I want to look as well at curses. And I tell you, the reason I want to look at curses is because the Bible actually has quite a lot to say about curses. But I'm not going to try and go into too much detail in it. I'm going to begin by looking at a passage of scripture which is in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. In the, book of no in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, there is the story of a guy called, he's, called, he's normally called Balaam, but if you look at the pronunciation, it should be Balaam. Are we okay with that, comrade? We're going to change the pronunciation of names today. We're going to call him Balaam. Hey, Balaam, come on over here. Anyway, Balaam would be a better pronunciation for his name. And the story is told about how he was called by a king of a place called Moab, a guy called Balak, and Balak calls him over. And the job that Balak wants um, Balaam to do is he wants him to curse the children of Israel. He wants him to curse the children of Israel because he's afraid of them. He's living in terror of them, having escaped from Egypt, wandered in the desert 40 years. We looked at these scriptures. This is actually following on from that same story where they wandered in the desert. They had the chance to enter God's rest, but they hardened their hearts and they didn't listen. But this is the story of what's happening on the flip side, what's happening on the other side of that same story. Now, the thing one to remember is this. Balak should have had no fear of anything because God had specifically told the children of Israel, don't fight with the Moabites. That was Balak's people. So Balak kind of picked the fight himself, which was a bit idiotic because he was putting himself up against God. And he calls in this guy called Balaam, very powerful sorcerer, magician, who's known, it, said, it says in an earlier passage, it says that those that you bless are blessed and those that you curse are cursed, and so he calls in this guy Balaam, he puts him up on top of a mountain, he says, look down on all the children of Israel, and says, I want you to curse these people. But something strange happens to Balaam. We all know, look, you can read the story yourself in Numbers 22, 23, 24, you can read the story yourself, and I don't want to go to the donkey and all that kind of stuff, that's a, that, that's a different day's work. He goes up on the mountain, and he begins to speak, 
and something happens to him. In actual fact, I'm going to put up here the first thing about the curse that he goes to speak. Here he stands up on the mountain. He looks down over the Israelites. Now remember, the Israelites, the people of God, that's you, that's me. That's our reality. It's you and it's me. So when you see the people of God or the Israelites or Jacob, that is us, okay? This is the first thing that happens. He opens his mouth and this is what comes out. How can I curse those God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? He's called up to do a job. He's paid a lot of dollar for it to curse them. And when he gets up, he says, how can I curse those God has not cursed? He goes on to say this. He said, God is not human, that he should lie. He's not, a, he's not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? He goes on to say, does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. I want to start off and dive straight in and say this. What God has blessed, no man can curse. No one can curse. Because God is the authority, the sovereign power at the center of the universe. And what he has declared to be blessed, no one can curse. Nobody external to you can come and curse your life. That's an important lesson that you need to learn. You see, I've heard a lot of people talking about curses over the years. And people who are genuinely afraid that they may have been had a curse on their lives back along the way or some such thing. But I want to look at that for a second. Because here, here Balaam stands up. And he st stands up to curse people and he suffers this form of blessing Tourette's. He begins, he opens them up to curse and blessing comes out of it. He goes, he goes, I curse with me, blesses them. And, and he opens his mouth to say something negative, but something positive comes out. Because God will not allow him to curse those that God has blessed. You see, remember, God said to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. But you will be blessed and you will go on to become a blessing for all nations. And you go, gosh, is that true for my life? Yes, it's true for your life. He goes on to say this. Oh, I'm going to have to turn it off my remote control. Here we go. He goes on to say this. He says, there is no divination against Jacob, the people of Israel, and the, the, the modern-day Christian. There is no evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. There is no divination against them. You see, that's very important because sometimes people have the sense that their lives are cursed, that there's something spiritual or external that has been applied to their lives. But I want to tell you that that is not true for the Christian. If somebody comes and leaves a rabbit's foot or a rabbit's leg at your front door and calls down a curse or some such thing on your house, you are covered by God's blessing, washed with the blood of Jesus. And so therefore, that curse will not stick to you. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 2 says this. As a fluttering or darkening sparrow, so an undeserved curse will not rest. Once God has decided to bless, that really is the end of the matter. He will continue to bless. No external force in all of the universe can curse what God has blessed. No one can attempt to curse. Don't get me wrong. They can attempt to curse. They can attempt to use even divination and omens. And they can use curses and pishobes like the old Irish they used to use. But it has no power over the Christian who's following the Lord. has no power over the Christian who's following the Lord. Do you know, I heard recently about, about and actually I've been hearing for years and years, about how there's a witch's cove in here, or there's a witch's cove in here, or there's a witch's cove in here, and they're praying against what the Christians are doing. I don't care. 
I am not interested in what the witches' coven is doing. I am not interested in if they're crushing that. In fact, quite frankly, they can meet outside the front door on the porch and I'll brush past them on a Sunday morning. Do you know why? Because that curse has no power. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, The Lord God has refused to listen to Balaam. He turned the intended curse into a blessing because the Lord your God loves you. He turned what was intended to be a curse in your life, something that was supposed to go horribly wrong in your life, something that was put on you by someone else. He's actually turned that thing into a blessing. I'm going to go a little bit more on the human side of this and away from the spiritual side for a second. But you know, you, your life is not cursed. If you're a surrendered, forgiven, God-blessed Christian, your life is not cursed by any external power. You are free, and whom the sun sets free is truly free, or is free indeed. Would anybody out there say amen? Give us an amen in the comments if you agree. Your life is blessed, and it doesn't matter who's planning against you. God is your protection. He is your shield at your right hand. Read Psalm 91 if you want to. He casts his wings over you. The arrow that flies by day will not strike you. Because you are under God's blessing and under God's protection. But we can give curses a power. We can give something a power by fearing it. The power that we give it is the power of fearing it. Whether it is a boss or a bad woman or a bad boyfriend, I say to the sisters out there, it's the fear that gives it the power. Here's what the scriptures say. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Now, somebody quoted that to me and has quoted that to me for years. I was a Christian about six months. And somebody said to me, you have to be careful of fear because what you fear will come upon you. Just like Job said, what I feared has come upon me. What, is, what I dreaded has happened to me. But you know something? I lived under that for so many years. And then I read, read it for myself and I realized, hang on a second. That's not what Job is saying at all. Don't get this notion that because you fear something, you are somehow bringing it upon you. That is not true. It is as illogical as it could possibly be. That is like saying, well, you know, I'm afraid of drowning. That means I'm definitely going to drown. Or I'm afraid of crashing my car, which means, oh, you're definitely going to crash your car. As though our fears are curses. The problem is we give those fears power. I love what T.K. Chesterton says when he says, he says, we fear men so much because we fear God so little. One fear cures another. I love that. One fear cures another. Imagine for a moment you're at home and you have a fear of, I don't know, mice. You have a fear of mice and a mouse runs across the kitchen floor and you jump up onto the chair and go, ah, there's a mouse in the And you're afraid and you're scared of the mouse on the ground. Now, it's, a, it's, something, it's an irrational fear, but it's a fear. And you're afraid of that mouse. Imagine if just at that moment into your kitchen walked a lion. I think you'd somehow suddenly forget all about the mouse and begin to remember the lion. Because one fear cures another. One fear cures another. The bigger the fear, Jesus says, don't fear him who can kill only the body, who can do nothing to the soul. Fear him who having, killing, having killed the body can cast the body and the soul into heaven. Jesus said, we need to have a bigger fear. We need to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of wisdom. Don't be fearing witches' curses or gypsies' curses or omens or horoscopes or anything. They're rubbish. They have no power over the walking, living, breathing Christian. They have no power. I want to talk about generational curses as well in just a second. But to look at generational curses, I want to look at this passage from Deuteronomy. I hope you're tracking with me now so far. I dove in really fast, but it's really important that you get into your head. You are not under a curse. You are under a blessing. Would anyone out there say amen? Amen. So here we're going to look at what I call the big deal. I call this the big deal. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, which 28, which is following on from the sequence of events that I just talked about. We're looking at the children of Israel about to cross over into the promised land. And God says, this is the rule of it. This is how it's going to be. I'm going to give you my words, my instructions, the best way to live. And this is what's going to happen to you if you obey the way that I'm telling you to live. He says, you will be. He says, all of these blessings will come upon you and accompanying you if you obey the Lord your God. Now we're moving to the other end of cursing for a second. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. All of God's promises come with terms and conditions. Not sneaky ones as they say in the ads, but these are real genuine. He says that all these blessings will come upon you. You'll be blessed in the city, in the country. Your children will be blessed. Your crops will be blessed. Your cattle will be blessed. Your calves will be blessed. You'll be blessed in conflict. You'll be blessed in your cooking and your, and your baking. You'll have rain. You'll have plenty. You'll have prosperity. You'll have land. And land will be blessed. You'll be blessed because you'll be a lender, not a, not, a, not, not a debtor. And you will be blessed with leadership. You will be ahead and not the tail. You will lead amongst the nations. If you obey the word of God that I put upon you. And when you read that passage, it's there in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 3 to 13. There's only a few verses, but the blessings fill a whole life. God wants to fill your whole life with blessings. But then he says, aha, but hold on a second. This is part of the big deal too. However, he says, if, again, you don't obey the Lord your God, all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. That's Deuteronomy chapter 28, 15. And this, he writes, a much longer list, believe it or not, of curses. Because if you read your Bible carefully, you will see that the one who does the most cursing is God. We're going to adjust that again, actually in a second. He says this, you'll be cursed in the city, in the country, your children, your crops, your cattle, your calves. There will be confusion. Your bodies will be carcasses. You will be in debt. You will suffer disease, desolation. You'll be oppressed, robbed, raped. You'll suffer plagues, drought, dust, defeat, seeds, subjugation, scattering, and a final warning was you will be slaves again if you ignore me you know something i've known people who have become christians and who've turned their hearts towards the lord only to either lose their hope or lose their way or, or, or get discouraged because we lose more people to discouragement than we do to the attack of the enemy every time people become discouraged and they become disconnected and they fall away do you know what happens to so many of them they actually go back and they become slaves again God, Jesus has set us free. We are no longer slaves. We're singing the song. We're no longer slaves. We're singing it all the time. And yet he says here, if you ignore me and you don't obey my words, you will be going back into slavery. And if you read the historian Josephus, there is a shocking story of what happened after the fall of Jerusalem about how the Jewish uh, people were rounded up and 97,000 of them were sent literally back in Roman ships to the port of Alexandria in Egypt to be sold. You can look it up and matter of fact they glutted the market and they couldn't be sold. And that's another sad story. But here's the thing, as they say, no one can curse you because you are blessed by God. No external power because God is on your own account, but you can curse yourself. You can curse yourself. 
The power of blessing and cursing, believe it or not, is in your own hands. If you choose to isolate yourself and separate yourself from, say, from, from God's community or separate yourself from God, then you will be putting yourself in a dangerous place. You will actually be taking the first steps towards cursing your own life. God has given us so much autonomy. He's given us so much agency, so much power over our own lives. He says, obey me and follow me and stay close to me and you will be blessed. But if you ignore me, well, the consequences will flow from that. And even curses, as we call them, aren't really curses. They're consequences. They flow from our decisions. This is such a pivotal and important point in the history of the people of Israel. It's such a pivotal and important point because it's the point at which they're about to cross the land, in, and cross the river into the land that God had promised them. This was his promise being fulfilled. Now, I know some people are out there saying, yeah, but you know, God says that we, that we are cursed. Some people are cursed to multiple generations. Yes, there is a degree to which I biologically inherit some of the bad habits of the, my forefathers. And some of my forefathers had some very bad habits. And yes, biologically, sometimes you do inherit them. You can inherit a bad heart or disease or a, or a certain um, uh, liking for something or a certain weakness in a certain area. There's absolutely no good. That, that's because we're biological. Everybody is under that curse. It's called the curse of sin. And we inherit it, yes, from our fathers. In actual fact, all the way back to our first father, Adam, that's where we inherit that. But you know, in Deuteronomy, when they're giving the law in the book of Exodus, the Lord says, don't make any false idols, don't make any images, have no gods before me, because, he says, I visit the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but I pour my love upon a thousand generations of those who love me. And in that, you're not supposed to be kind of literally counting off down to a thousand generations. It's not intended to be literal. Remember, the key was those who love me and those who hate me. If you hate the Lord, as in you turn your back on him and you don't obey him and you don't have anything to do with him or anything to do with his people, then it will continue to visit on. That curse will never be broken. But if you have, caught, if you have become a Christian, if you have been born again, if you have been made new in Jesus Christ, then the good news for you is that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. That fall of ancestry ends at you and does not need to be passed on. It's very important that we get this into our heads and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why because I think a lot of even Christian parents and maybe especially Christian parents feel guilty that perhaps their children aren't following the Lord. And I think that's actually a lot more common than you might imagine. Or feel guilty that they didn't do what they could have done or, or felt that their children have turned out in a certain way because of them. You know, it's very important we get this into our heads. Everybody has responsibility for their own lives. Everybody has responsibility for their own lives. Here is what it says. It says the one who sins, according to Ezekiel, is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent. The parent will not share the guilt of the child. I want to speak literally and prophetically. Maybe especially to fathers today. It's not your fault. It's not your fault that your children are making decisions that are contrary to the way that you would want them to go. They must take responsibility. They must own it for themselves. They must know the blessing of God coming upon their own lives and for themselves. It is not your responsibility. You are not paying that forward. They're making the decisions for their own lives. It's really important that we get into our head that we are not 
um, somehow victims of an external curse, whether that is a spiritual force or whether it is a hereditary thing coming down to us, we are not victims in Jesus Christ. We are made new in Jesus Christ. Moreover, the book of Galatians speaks about the curse being broken in our lives. Here's what Paul says. He says, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. He's rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Would anybody out there say amen? amen. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The curse that you, the consequences you should get are not on you because of what Jesus Christ has done. And even the curse that we talk about going down generations is very often the consequences that go down through generations. Let me give you an example. If, for an example, and it's probably a bad example, but imagine I was very wasteful with my money or very uh, profligate with my habits and I was prone to whatever it is, maybe overdoing something. My children will be the people who will inherit my weakness in that sense. If I blow everything, if I lose my home or whatever, it is my children who are the ones who suffer. And in that sense, it is the consequence and not the curse that passes on down through the generations. But the curse for us, brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ and you are a new creation, that curse is broken in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You are not standing under the curse of a witch a witch doctor, uh, voodoo, pishogs, black magic, white magic, green magic. I don't know if there isn't such a thing. You are not under that curse because God has blessed you. And because Jesus took the curse upon him, you stand even more blessed. Do you know, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8, he says, what can separate us from the love of God? He says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us, not the, the future, nor the past, now the things in heaven, or the things on the earth, or the things under the earth, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. What are we to say? No longer do we stand under a curse in Jesus' mighty name. We are no longer threatened by the powers. Now, I want to talk more about it on Tuesday next. I want to talk about how we should behave towards the powers of darkness. It's very important that we get that. But I wanted to lay the foundation today for where we are going and where we're looking at in terms of these things. I want to look at one, just one last verse. And Paul simply spells it out in Romans chapter 8. It's a verse that you are extremely familiar with, or you should be if you read your Bible regularly. You'll be very familiar with it. He says, what shall we say then about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Who can ever be against us? If God is for you, and God is on your side, and God is with you, who on earth can be against you? What power in heaven, or on earth, or under the earth, or in the future, or in the past, or what angel, or what demon can actually take control of your life? None. Because God is for you. Who can be ever be against you? God's blessings are as unbreakable as God's word is unbreakable. He has given his word. He has given his promises. And when he promises, he doesn't have to say, honestly, I promise, I promise, I promise. He just says it. Because what he says, he does. I'd love to enumerate blessing upon blessing upon blessing here. But you know what? I don't want to bore you. Many of you I know are very familiar with the blessings. I listed some of them anyway from the book of Deuteronomy. And we need to take those and apply them to our lives because we stand in a blessed 
position before God today. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into it on Tuesday and I'm going to go look forward a little bit actually on Tuesday night as we come back to this again on Tuesday night. But I want to pray before I finish. I'm going to ask you if you, wherever you are, um, would you close your eyes with me because I want to apply this and I want to pray and I want to pray this. There's people this morning who are reading, who are looking at this message and you are afraid. You're afraid because you are frightened of something that's going on in your life. You are not outside of God's control. When you invite Jesus into your life, you are putting yourself under his responsibility, under his authority, and under his protection. I want to pray that you would know that protection, have peace, and find rest in the blessings of God today. And for others, I know that today you are in a situation where you have looked on at your life and wondered what are the consequences that flow from your life and from your actions and from your choices. I want to tell you, know that you stand under the blessing of God and that whatever has happened in your life up to now stops with you. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you, would you close your eyes or raise your hands wherever you are? We're going to pray. I'm going to keep the prayer short. I'm not going to recap. Sometimes we recap and we pray, but I'm going to keep the prayer short. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that when we read your word, we see multi-manifold, manifest blessings there for our lives. Lord, I thank you that there is nobody of an external nature that can curse our lives. I thank you that there is no one, Lord, that can come into our lives and ruin our lives. You have put the power into our hands. You have given us the choice. You have given us the agency. You have given us the authority so that we can bless ourselves, as it were, by following you. But also, Lord, we can curse ourselves. And I pray today, Lord, that nobody who's listening to this, Lord, will feel cursed. Lord, I pray that they will feel blessed. I pray your Holy Spirit will draw near to them. Lord, I pray that they will be reminded that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. And if our God is for us, who can stand against us? Lord, I pray as well for your protection upon every household associated with Grace Christian Church, Lord. I pray that we would not give way, Lord, to superstitious fears. Lord, but that we would reckon ourselves and realize ourselves to be blessed, Lord. Not only are we blessed, but our children will be blessed. And our children's children will be blessed, Lord. Flowing down to generations. Lord, we commit ourselves into your hands. May we be reminiscent. May we be remembered. May we be reminded of your multiple blessings, which cannot be broken. Which cannot be broken. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people say, Amen. Amen.